0: Hey friends, welcome back to another bonus episode. Today I've got a teaser for you of a follow-up conversation that I put out with Paige Klassen today. It's available right now for patrons. You can sign up for $5 per month if you want to get access to more than two dozen follow-ups with past guests from the show. But Paige Klassen has been on the show. She was in episode 24 originally, and in that conversation, we talked about one of her dream climbs being Dreamcatcher. Dreamcatcher is a very famous 514D in Squamish, British Columbia. The first ascent was done by Chris Sharma in 2005. I'm sure many of you have seen that segment in the climbing film Dosage 4. And if you don't follow climbing news closely, or if you haven't seen Paige sent Dreamcatcher earlier this year in September, and I finally got a chance to jump on a call with her and catch up and hear all about it. So this was a really fun conversation. In the teaser, you get the first 25 minutes of it for free. And we went on to talk a lot more about Dreamcatcher specifically. You'll hear us start to talk about it right at the end of the teaser. This conversation is a little over an hour total. So there's another 35 minutes or so of us talking about her training, how she prepared for Dreamcatcher. And we went more in-depth into her projecting process on the route as well. I always find it really interesting when talking to a top climber like this to hear them talk about their process, projecting a route. I always learned a lot. And just hearing how she approached it, her strategy for projecting it, there were definitely some takeaways for me. So that's what you're getting if you sign up for Patreon and listen to the full thing. And there is a link right there in your podcast app if you choose to do so. In the meantime please enjoy this free teaser of my follow-up with Paige Klassen. Hi.
1: Hey, Stephen. How's it going?
0: Good. are you, Paige? Good. Good morning.
1: Yeah. Yeah. How's life?
0: Life is good. Nice. Life is good. Yeah, we've got some uh, blue skies outside today here in Washington. Nice. It's been a very
1: a little unusual
0: (laughs) it is it's it's special when it happens yeah yeah nice how how are you in sunny Colorado Uh,
1: yep it's like 75 degrees here every day which is everyone's dream but I love the winter so I'm like oh Oh. (laughs) yeah I like when it's cold okay so because if that ever happens again
0: because (laughs) totally yeah I know the it's like Someone posted, I think it was Drew Ruana just posted that December is the new September with like the 10 day forecast. Yeah, and it was like all exactly. 60s. Yeah. It is it's crazy. Ridiculous. But yeah. whatever.
1: It's nice outside.
0: Do you like the cold because of climbing or other like cozying up and other things? Personal. Okay.
1: Yeah. I don't like being hot. It's actually like too hot to climb at a lot of crags here right now. Yeah. So.
0: That is But sad. it's fine.
1: We're just complaining about silly things. The main problem is like the wildfires <laughs> in the summer.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just
1: like, uh, good climbing temps in December means, you know, bad climbing a lot of the rest of the year. Right. True. So. Yeah,
0: yeah. I know. I'm always every year these these days. I'm wondering if like this year is kind of a fluke, or like, is this the new average, or is this like obviously it's trending in a obvious direction, but hopefully this is still like an outlier December. Yeah, I don't know.
1: Yeah we we'll see. There's we'll no see. normal anymore. Nothing's normal.
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, Paige, it's so good to have you here. I'm already recording. We can just roll right cool. into it.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Great to see We're you glad again. Glad to be here. Yeah. I guess we've never really... We've normally chatted on audio. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I switched like a year ago maybe to doing more Zoom and FaceTime and things like that cool. over just talking on the phone. And uh, yeah. I like it. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's fun um i'll jump straight into some questions i of course we're talking in december 2021 for people listening and you recently did a route that we had talked about last time at the end of our first conversation you talked about dreamcatcher in squamish 14d that one was important to you you were excited to go back covid with it was full-blown covid um obviously we're still going through that but you were able to get up there and do that in september so I have questions about that, but before that, I want to congratulate you and ask you about another 14D and, uh, and say that you were very sneaky because last time we talked, it was mid-June of last year and you didn't mention this route at all, but between when we recorded and when I released the episode, like three weeks later, you had just sent kryptonite. Oh, okay. yeah. <laughs> I was like, wait a second! She must have been trying it. But um, congratulations on uh, on both of those, and uh, yeah.
1: I actually forgot about that one. I was like, "What route are you <laughs> talking about?" I was like, "I don't know." Yeah, but yeah, thanks. That one was really awesome. It was like kind of in the middle of COVID, so that was a nice crag to go to where mm. no one really goes up there because it's kind of a far hike and uh, it's just a little more remote. Yeah, that's so. a pretty safe bet. Yeah, it was a good, good to get away from everybody. Yeah, and a really special route. Like, I always love the routes with some history behind them, and um, that was just a cool one.
0: Yeah, yeah. And you and Margot—I mean, the articles came out that you two sent it together, which, um, which I love. Yeah, were were you project meet with her primarily?
1: Not exactly. So, like, Margot and I are really close friends, but we don't always get the chance to climb together. So. Um, she and Maddie were going up. And then I was going up with my husband, Arian. Um, and we'd, Arian and I would go at like six in the morning to hike up before it got hot. And then we'd be down by like noon. And Margo and Maddie would hike up at like three or four in the afternoon and like climb till dark. Got <laughs> so it. We were kind of on different schedules. <laughs> but the first day that we were all up there together is the day she sent. Nice. Um, and it was awesome because I think she had come like two days in a row, which she had never done the hike kind of like it does take it out of you. And then the route's really physical. So it's more of like a a situation where you take a lot of rest days. And she had come up because we were going to be there that day. And we were like, we have to finally be up there together. And she was all tired. And then like, of course, sent, and it was beautiful. And like, mm. I got all this new beta because I was doing things really differently. Oh, and wow. so a lot of what she did really helped me on the route, just to, like make things more efficient and like conserve some energy and, and it's just always really inspiring to watch Margot climb. And she's so fun. And like, yeah, we have a great time together. But unfortunately, we didn't like we weren't really projecting it together. We were talking about it a lot. Mm. Um, but we had not spent much time up there together.
0: Got it. Got it. Yeah. And you two have spent quite a bit of time together. I've loved uh, Tara's films, sladies watching you guys on, on the trip with the other gals. Yeah. Just looks like a very yeah. fun dynamic between all of you guys.
1: We have a lot of fun together. I think we mostly hang out like in non-climbing scenarios, but (laughs) it's always fun to climb together when the chance comes up. Yeah. Awesome.
0: For people listening, I I hiked up there once last year with Ethan Pringle and we were supposed to meet Maddie up there or Ethan was supposed to meet Maddie and we were way late. We were like two hours late because we had like climbed in rifle in the morning and then we were going up there. So Ethan just had a fire under his ass to just hike. So insanely fast up the hill, and the hike crushed me. <laughs> I was just trying to keep up with Ethan, and I was totally yeah. wrecked for the rest of the day. I think I climbed the warm up, and that was it,
1: yeah, which like there aren 't really great warm ups up there, but yeah, the hike i don 't know like I think people uh over exaggerate a bit because it's not like to me it 's not as bad as the seuse hike like it 's a bit okay. shorter, and part of it 's flat, not flat, but like gently uphill, um and then it just keeps increasing and. I think the hardest part is that like that hill just bakes in the sun. And that's why we would go so early. So we would Mm. hike up like when it was cold and then it's fine. But if you're hiking up like in the sun when it's 70 degrees, then.
0: Yeah. Brutal. Just baking. (laughs) How do you warm up on for, for a route like that? Like you've, you've done a lot of this. Like you go, we talked about this with just do it as well, but you go. Try these hard routes that are often off by themselves, away from the rest of the crag or a nearby crag. You know, just a standalone, alone standalone hard thing in the middle of nowhere. So when you hike up there at six in the morning and there's no good warm ups around, how do you get ready to try fourteen plus?
1: Um, well, a lot of the routes I've done there aren't really warm up opportunities, so it's kind of something I'm used to, and I think a lot of climbers are used to is just like warming up on the route. And oftentimes these routes have um, easier approach pitches. So like, you know, the first five bolts or whatever will be 12 a or 12 D or whatever. Um, And so you kind of get that dialed and just do like the first part of the route or just go bolt to bolt and like skip moves that are tweaky. I think the main thing is like, you don't want to get injured warming up. Like that's the whole point of warming up. So avoiding moves that, um, you know, could hurt your fingers or shoulders or whatever. And then, aside from that, like you don't want to get flash pumped on your attempts later. So trying to get some sort of pump. And so maybe it's like climbing the first five bolts, lowering down and doing it to get on top rope real quick without resting. Mm. Or, um, I don't know, like a lot of people bring a hangboard up to the cliff, but I like to travel light. And so I'm not going to carry big wooden block up. Um, (laughs) so I just kind of like rather do stuff on the rock and, um, you know, stretch, like do a lot of, I don't know, like throwing my arms and shoulders around to get those warmed up and like finger flicks and you know, your basic youth team warm-ups a long way.
0: (laughs) Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Most of us don't know what those are probably, but I can yeah, I can I can kind of imagine getting the blood moving. Like being
1: in a circle of 15 youth and (laughs) your coach like leading you through some basic warm-ups that are actually in adulthood really helpful.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's what we need. We need an adult Warm up group that, that yeah. teaches us these kid these team kid things that we all missed out on.
1: Yeah, I'll hit it as like a TikTok account or something.
0: Totally, yeah. Or I'll hit up uh, Tyson Shaney see if he can come up with something for us. We can make there a video know. for people to follow with the craig.
1: Yeah, but yeah, I definitely like I'd never jump straight on giving a red point attempt. Like okay. that will never go well. So I do take warm up warming up seriously. Um, but you do have to get creative and mm-hmm. just kinda like figure it out with what you have available.
0: Awesome. Yeah, that's a really good skill to develop with boulders too. I mean, it's it's so often yeah. that it's like yeah, you're hiking to one boulder in the middle of nowhere that's hard that you want to try. Or right. it's it's so much logistics to go somewhere else first to warm up, it's just not even worth it. And yeah.
1: Yeah. It's like hang off the lip and do a couple pull ups, mm. some push ups on the ground. Like if you have injuries, take care of those, theraband. Yeah. you got to find the routine that works for you.
0: I wanted to ask you how you think about a project when you're in the midst of it and whether or not it's important to you to keep your cards close to your chest, so to speak. I thought it was interesting that you didn't bring up kryptonite in our first conversation, um, but I totally understand why. Or I can, I can imagine many reasons why. It's easy to project like, oh, it's probably added pressure if she talks about it, things like that. How do you think about that? If you're working on something, um, it's it feels important to you. It's a project. Do you wait to talk about it until you've done it? Does it depend on the route? How do you think about that?
1: Um, no, I actually really like sharing about my process. Probably the reason I didn't talk about Kryptonite is because it was in the beginning phases of COVID when everyone was like pretty locked down. Yeah. Um, and so it was still like up in the air, whether climbing outside was totally acceptable. And so we were just like, being careful and not talking about it too much. Got it. Um, But no, I really like talking about my process because I think it's super important. And like, that's the whole point of projecting is you don't know if you're gonna succeed or not. So like, if all you hear is about all these pros just sending all the time and you think that's all that's happening, like it's not very realistic and it doesn't set a good tone for anyone else who's you know trying to set themselves up for success, but also knowing that it's not a guarantee. Um, and so that's why with Dreamcatcher, like I tried to post a lot about it. I would post, um, videos of my attempts, even though like, that's not something I would really watch. (laughs) It's like not content that would be of interest to me, but I don't know. People seem to be psyched and like, like to watch the process and, you know, it's interesting to see too, like we watch these videos that are beautifully edited and cut and you don't know like the pace of someone climbing Mm. or, or that like someone is really flailing when they're projecting like <laughs> mm. sure it, it can look beautiful when you send but all the times working up to that are are really like a struggle fest and so i think it's cool to share those parts and to be like because i think people often don't realize what they're capable of either and so it's like oh if my first attempt on a hard route like i can't do any of the moves and it's too hard for me mm. and you're like well here's my first attempt and like you know maybe that wasn't the best example because normally my goal in the first few attempts is to do all the moves. But if there are like one or two that I can't do, it's not a write-off. Like those are just the parts I need to focus on. So I just like sharing the process and it's genuine and it shows frustration and it shows that like you can start with something that not only felt impossible, but looked really impossible, like from an audience perspective. And then in the end, see it come together and be like, Oh, like that, you know, evolution is possible for me, possible for anyone. So yeah, I'm not too embarrassed about like potentially not sending something like uh. that's just life. That's just part of climbing. And, you know, if I hadn't done the route, it would still be cool to see the process and like, you know.
0: Yeah. How often has the outcome gone that way where you've really invested in something and, and left it undone?
1: Um, I would say one of the routes that's happened on is empath, um, in mm. Tahoe, which I tried in May and I was there for about a month working on it with Keenan Takahashi and Pablo Hamak. And that was a route. Like I felt like it was possible, but it was kind of a stretch because I didn't arrive with all the skills I needed to do it. Like I didn't know how to crack climb at all. Um, so I was like le- learning to foot jam while I was working on the route, which isn't <laughs> ideal. It's like learning to crimp while projecting to Bolt. And you're like, (laughs) you need to show up with like the skills required. (laughs) Um, But anyway, like I felt like it could come together even though it was a bit of a long shot. And I think there's like a mental process we go through where when you're at a project, like you have to give 100%, like you have to give everything you have. But then to detach from that mentally is also really important for me. And that's a tough balance to like give everything you have physically and mentally in the moment on the climb and then walk away and be able to detach Mm. so that your mind can recover. And also you're not totally absorbed in something that then becomes obsessive and there's all this pressure and, um, that mentality works for some people, but definitely not for me. And so that was like a great route to practice that balance on because I had to give everything I had in the moment, but I knew I couldn't get too attached. Like I couldn't, get into that obsessive mindset where I felt all that pressure. And at the end, I didn't end up doing it and I was like totally content to walk away. And people are like, oh, are you gonna go back? And my answer is probably not. Like, wow, it's a really cool route, it's really pretty, but it just didn't feel like something that I really wanna return to. I think a lot of the reasons we project are to learn something like about our own climbing, but also about ourselves. And I think I learned so much from that route. And so it like gave me all the gifts it had to give Mm. (laughs) even without sending. And I'm totally okay with not having sent it. And I don't feel pressure to like go back and do that. And maybe that changes in the future. Like maybe I get really psyched on crack climbing and then can apply those skills. And I don't know, but for now I'm like, no, like that was a great trip. I learned so much and I'm happy to walk away.
0: I love that. That's awesome. Because I, Yeah, I, I think
1: it's important sometimes. Like there's also been plenty of routes where I went back year after year after year and, you know, was really dedicated and knew I would keep trying until I did it. Mm-hmm. So I think it's just like, I don't even know what all the factors are, but it's like whether a route really means something to you and like speaks to you in that way. And if not, there's no use in throwing yourself against something like just because it's hard or just because other people love it or whatever.
0: Something I know you've talked about recently uh, in regards to Dreamcatcher, but other roots as well is how the peak of your excitement and maybe gratification often comes before you actually send. It's like that moment where you realize, holy shit, I can actually do this thing. Like that's the you know, the top of the bell curve. And then from there on out, it's like, well, I still need to get this thing done, but I kind of already know I can. It's just a matter of time. And yeah. uh, I, I heard you talk about this with uh, Chad Andrews on the Clipping Chains podcast. And Chad's been on the show for people listening and he's making an, a really awesome podcast. So I'll link to it. You guys should go check it out. But I really enjoyed your conversation and I so resonated with that feeling. And I th- I was just kind of reflecting on that actually in getting ready to talk with you and thinking about my summer. I've been bouldering all summer and I've, I've done my hardest three boulder problems from September until now. Nice. And they've all, thank you. They've all felt so different. Like the first one, I had that exact feeling like the, the excitement peaked maybe second session or third session. I knew okay. I could do it. And then conditions weren't that good yet. And I just had to wait until it got cold. And then it, I did it the first cold day. <laughs> nice. Um, The second one was incredibly gratifying because I really had to work for it. And there was, I I knew I could do it, but it like, it was one of those boulders where like it wasn't done until it was done, you know? Right. So that one was incredibly gratifying, like the most, one of the most gratifying climbs I've ever done. And then the third one I had tried over the summer and gotten really close, this uh, boulder called Practitioner back here in Leavenworth. Okay. And I knew I could do it. After the summer because it was super hot this summer and I almost did it like at two o'clock in the morning at you know <laughs> 60 degrees or something
1: Classic
0: yeah yeah <laughs> but I came back and it was like I'm happy to have gotten it done because it was rainy and like it wasn't a guarantee that it was going to work out but it was really anticlimactic like I
1: mm, it,
0: I kind of yeah. didn't feel anything and I just think like yeah. <laughs> the contrast of all three of those is just so interesting
1: yeah it's pretty bizarre I mean it's cool it's like if every route gave you the same sensation or emotion, I mean, I guess if it's an amazing emotion, then it's great. But like, I think that's what's cool is like every route's different. Every experience is different. And then the gratification and emotions you experience are also vastly different. So it's like you get, you're like waiting for a little surprise and you don't know if it's going to be awesome or like actually a little disappointing. (laughs) Um, But you know, thus it's climbing. Mm -hmm. But yeah, I, It actually has taken me a long time to be able to like put this into words because it's an experience I've had on so many different routes that like that peak and excitement when you realize it's possible and then kind of going downhill and enthusiasm from there. And by the time you send, you're like, cool, all I did was met my expectations. Like Mm. I did what I knew I could do. And so you're sort of setting yourself up to be disappointed in a way because you can only meet or or like hit below your expectations. Yeah, fall short maybe. Right. There's nothing there's no way to exceed your expectations. Yeah. Um and that's kind of a tough place to be, but at the same time like I think mind control is like my one of my strengths. Um like I don't consider myself a particularly strong climber, but I have a lot of confidence in myself and like what I'm capable of. And I think I have a pretty good grasp on like, you know, the warning signs isn't exactly the right word, but like just paying attention to what's happening as I project and knowing what those things mean, Um, doing all the moves, starting to link them together, like climbing through five moves of a crux, um, you know, climbing through the crux from a few moves below, those types of steps. Like I've done it enough that I know what those are leading to. And so, it does I do kind of know what to expect. And sure, it takes away some of the excitement from the send, but I've I'm trying to learn to just be like it's the same sensation and emotion. It just is happening in a different point in the process. Like mm. where a lot of people are maybe getting frustrated and starting to feel pressure, I'm having that like send excitement, which I'm not going to experience at the end, but I I got it earlier. And so you're still getting that, like, um, I don't know, like those endorphins and that excitement and that like happiness over a root. it's just coming at a different time. And so I'm just learning to appreciate that and to know that that's like part of my process and, and maybe part of what helps me to do roots that are hard for me, like believing and knowing that I can do it long before I do it might be like my key to success because I don't keep that pressure on myself. And I kind of just trust the process and maybe without that, I wouldn't be able to succeed on some of these routes. So I've tried to just accept it as like, cool, this is my process. It's different than other people's. I don't lower off elated <laughs> when I send and like, you know, have a rager that night and like feel <laughs> like I'm on top of the world. I'm kind of just like, all right, cool. Well, you know, it's, it's another day <laughs> of climbing. Um, And just to accept that. And that's helped a lot. And it's helped to talk through it with some friends as well. And you recently interviewed Joe Kinder and he actually, he didn't know he was helping me, but I messaged him after he sent Kinder Cakes and I was like, dude, good job. So it's like for you. And he was like, thanks, Paige. That one meant a lot to me. And I was like, that was the perfect way to accept a compliment Mm. because he wasn't like, fuck yeah, I'm the best. He just like, accepted the compliment and was like, yeah, I worked really hard. And it was really meaningful to me. And so I was like, OK, I'm going to start using those words. And so because normally when people say, like, good job on Dreamcatcher, I'll be like, thanks. Squamish is so beautiful. And so I've started to be like, thanks. It meant a lot to me. And it's helped like it helps me internalize it. like, yeah, it did mean a lot to me. And even though that sentiment came at a different time in the process, like it's no less important. Mm.
0: So I love that. I think it um, for the person reaching out and telling you that that response makes it even more inspiring. It's like, oh, yeah, this wasn't just, you know, this isn't just something that this person can do, you know, every climbing day like this. Right. This took work. This took dedication. It was meaningful.
1: And that comes with like maybe showing the process, you know, Mm. if you show that there were a lot of failures it kind of matches up with like yeah this meant a lot to me Mm -hmm. Whereas if you just show the send and then you're like yeah whatever then it does kind of send that message even internally that like oh that wasn't a big deal right um right which like we might as well celebrate what we've worked hard for
0: yeah absolutely (laughs) (laughs) is it always that way or does it change depending on the route
1: um I would say it's often that way because, because I do realize I can do something before I do it. Like, it's rarely a surprise when I send. Mm. And maybe that's where a lot of that enthusiasm comes from is like, there's still that uncertainty of like, will I do it? Is it possible? And so when you prove to yourself that it's possible, you're like, yes. <laughs> um, but if I've already like fully accepted that it's possible, then I've like taken away that uncertainty for better or worse. Mm -hmm. And obviously like that sounds like a stupid thing to say because it's never certain. Right. But I think it's just like a confidence in yourself that like I'm certain I'm capable of doing this. Mm -hmm. Like, will it happen? And that's how I felt on empath. I was like, I know I can do this. Will it happen? I have no idea. And maybe that's why like probably an empath. I, I peaked in that excitement when I realized it was possible and that's why I didn't need to send. <laughs> that's why I yeah. don't feel the need to go back and send is because I already got my high from the root. So, like, why why should I go back and, like, experience the lack of gratification of sending <laughs> that I normally experience? I don't know. Maybe that's a pessimistic way to look no, at it.
0: No, I mean, it's just interesting because I wonder what makes it go one way or the other. You know, like, why, if you felt the same way about Kryptonite or about Dreamcatcher, what was it that made you stick through and that's a good
1: point
0: you know because I well and I I I get it too like I had when I think about my own climbs this summer like some of them felt that way it's like I almost don't feel like I need to bother finishing this because I've got like you said I've gotten what I wanted to get out of it or but then some part of me is like no you have like that's the game that we're playing those are the rules like you have to finish but I still don't know if that's important to me personally or if that's just important because of how I know it will be perceived by others. I, yeah, it's interesting.
1: I mean, I think if that becomes your habit of like, cool, I know I can do it. I'm walking away. <laughs> then you're going to lose all of that. Like, you know, that's fine. If that's what the joy you get out of climbing, like it's an arbitrary sport. Like we're going, I mean, a boulder, you're topping out, but sport climbing, you're going like partway up a cliff and then lowering. So if you don't feel like you need to send to like, get your pleasure out of it, then that's fine. But I think for me, if I were to start choosing that path, like then it would not be satisfying.
0: Mm -hmm. Okay.
1: And so I and I think like I'm also a person who likes to tick things off. Like I like to tick the boxes. And so, you know, maybe there's still like a one percent like I still have to tick the box Mm -hmm. to fully, you know.
0: Totally. Yeah.
1: So I don't know. That's an interesting point, though. I haven't thought of it that way. But I've also never considered like walking away from something once I realized I could do it. It's more like whether time, schedule forces you away. Mm. And then you have to accept that. Like that's what happened with Empath. Got it. I've never been like, cool, I'm capable, I'm good, I'm out.
0: Uh-huh, okay.
1: So, yeah.
0: Tell me more about the process with Dreamcatcher. I know you had tried it before. You were excited to go back to it you had a long time away from it with covid and travel restrictions and the border being closed um how did yeah. it, how did it go when you made it back up there
1: um well it's funny some, some...
0: hey friends i hope you enjoyed that teaser of my follow-up with Paige classen If you want to listen to the full thing, you can do that right now. It takes just a few minutes to sign up for Patreon. It's $5 per month to get access to more than two dozen follow-ups so far on the show. And you can cancel at any time, no questions asked. There's a link right there in your podcast app, or you can go to the website at thenuggetclimbing.com and click on the support the podcast button at the top, and you'll find your way from there. There's also a page... If you click on episodes, there's a page called follow-ups and you can see who else I've done follow-ups with and there's teasers and descriptions of all of those follow-up episodes all in one spot. So a lot of value for $5 per month. You can think of it as buying me a beer at the brewery and most of all, it supports the podcast and keeps this thing rolling. Thank you guys again for listening. I appreciate you and we'll see you next time. Shake
1: it up, stop on
0: the clock is thirteen. See one, two, three, four, cast, gas, cas, no one can do it like we do it, like we do it like we do it. Cause no one can do it, like we do it, like we do it like we do it. Cause no one can do it like go we do it, like we do it like we do it. Cause no one can do it like we do it.